Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Psalm chapter 23, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6 simply says this, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated on today. Today marks week four of a series which is the finale of a series entitled My Father Is. We kicked off this series at the beginning of Father's Day on Father's Day Sunday and we launched this series with the understanding that this series is uniquely designed to equip and educate people to understand the qualities and characteristics of what God is as a father. Uh, the reason why we chose to stick in Psalms 23 is because Psalms 23 utilizes David, the shepherd boy that later on becomes king, utilizes him to describe our God as a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And it became apparent to us that David may have utilized this opportunity to find God as a shepherd because David understood how a good shepherd performed. After all, David was a shepherd. He knew what it was to tend to the flock of his father's sheep. He knew what it was to lay down his life to make sure that they were safe, to look for the best green pastures for them to lie in. He knew what it was to care for someone who wasn't even equipped to care for themselves. David understood what a good shepherd was, but David perhaps didn't know what it was to have a good father. Like many of us in this room, David had a father that overlooked him. I don't know if you know the story of David, but when, when uh, Samuel came to anoint the son of Jesse, uh, Jesse put all of his other sons before he even mentioned David. Matter of fact, it came to the point that the oil would not flow on any of the other sons. And Samuel knew that he didn't make a mistake, that God had sent him to Jesse, and that Jesse would have a son that would be anointed king. And Jesse had to say to Samuel with confidence, Samuel, is this is all your boys. Do you not have anybody else that can be king? And Jesse said to Samuel, yeah, I got one more. He's a little runt. He's a little nobody. Uh, matter of fact, I got him out in the fields. He's no reason for you to even look at him. Matter of fact, run the other boys through again. The oil will flow. Uh, Samuel said to Jesse, no, God makes no mistakes. Go get the other one and bring him here. And so Samuel calls Jesse, Jesse calls for David. David comes 
And immediately as they're preparing to eat, the oil flows on David. And it's known that David will be the next king. David does not go immediately and become king. David's dad does not baby him because he's going to be king. After David eats, he goes right back out to the fields. Right back out after being anointed to be king. He waits until it's time for him to be appointed the king. Somebody needs that. That's not even in the text today. You may be anointed as something, but if you have not been appointed, you keep serving where God has you until it's time for you to move on. Just hold that. Put it in your pocket. You may need that a little bit later on. But David goes on, and he does not immediately begin to be appointed the king. David gets this spiritual father named Saul. Saul is king, the king that David would later on replace. And you would think that his spiritual father would love him better than his natural father. I'm trying to help somebody here because some people have left the church because they couldn't get love at home. But when they came to the church, somewhere that was supposed to be filled with love, your pastor or some deacon didn't let you down. They didn't broke your heart. And as a result of it, you ran from the church. But you're not the first one that's ever been hurt by a leader in the church. Saul knew that he had lost the anointing of God. Saul knew that he had lost the favor of God. Instead of Saul seeking God to find favor again, Saul turns against David. A man that he had been looking up to, a man that he had fought battles for, he had slain Goliath, he had done so many things on the behalf of Saul. Now Saul turns his back against David. David not only has to deal with one father being a disappointment, but now he has to deal with two. So David has a reason not to write in Psalms 23 that the Lord is my father. David does not know what it means to be a good father. He has not seen a good father. So David takes the one thing that he knows, that he has been the best shepherd that he could ever be. He's laid down his life, that he's covered them, that he's provided for them. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. As I was looking at this text and finishing for, preparing to finish it out this series, I began to, to reread the full Psalms 23. And what I come to understand is what David is writing in Psalms 23, what we're now reading at this point, was not something that David wrote in his first 90 days of being a believer. So it's not David had something that he had wrote in his first year or two of being, the, of being a believer. The reason why I say this is because when David writes, I don't know about you, but I look at it, when I look at it from the perspective of David, the only way that David could, could clarify that the Lord is my shepherd and all of these other things that we're going to recap on today is David had to experience some yeah, things. Yeah. David had to go through some drama in his life to even know that God could be these things. Can I help you today that many of us have not been through enough to see God as these things? And the fact of the matter is if we are going through some of these things, we're not trusting God to be these things. And so for those of us who have missed the first three weeks of this series, I want to give you a recap as we walk down to verse 6. The first Sunday when we dealt with this message, we dealt with it from the understanding that the Lord is, my Father is, a provider. 
And we come to understand that my father is the provider. If we look at Psalms 23, verse 1 through 3, I'll read it again just for the fun of it. It's not a long text. It simply says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water. He restores me. He guides me in the path of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. The Lord is, my father is a provider. I believe that David identified early on in his relationship with God that I don't have to do life by myself. This is possibly one of the first lessons that David as a believer came to understand is that I don't have to provide for myself. I'm trying to help you today because when, I, when you leave here, I don't want you to think that you have to do life on your own. I don't want you to think that every problem that you face is a problem that you have to figure out on your own because David makes it clear, they who believe in God has God as a good shepherd. And as a God being a good shepherd, he says he will provide for me everything I need. He says it in the text. He says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's not meaning that he forcefully does it. It simply says he provides an opportunity for me to have the best grass that I could possibly ever be, have in my life. Listen, when I pass through my neighborhood, I live in a beautiful new subdivision in Waxahachie, and when I pass through my neighborhood, there are some houses that have already been there for a period of time. They've been there for a period of time, and they have these signs in their yard, best grass this and best grass that. I mean, it's blue fescue, buffalo, whatever it is. It's all beautiful, edged up pretty. It looks four inches off the ground. They edge up, look better than my barber edge up sometime. And the reason I talk about this is because I have a new house, and with a new house, they kind of just throw the grass down every once in a while. They just throw it down, and it takes a while for the grass to take root and become green and actually provide the lawn. For a while, you're going to have nothing but a whole bunch of weeds. David says, my God is not just throwing me in the weeds. He's allowing me to lay in the blue, blue fescue. He's giving me the beautiful grass. He's putting me in the best situation that I could possibly be in. So when life gets shaky, I don't have to stress because my God is a provider. See, I understand why some of you are not shouting because God ain't never provided something for you. But I want to tell you, there's been some times where I've been at the lowest that I've ever been before. And by the fact of the matter is if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. God is a provider. Y'all don't know what it is to be a provider. You don't know what it means to be on E and make it 30 miles down the road and you shouldn't have made it. You don't know what it is not to have food in your refrigerator, but God sees fit to make sure that you fit. God has provided for me. David shows me not only does God want to provide for you, Chris, you don't got to worry about God providing. He goes on and he mentions in Psalms 23 and he takes me to verse 4 and he says, God is not only your provider, this is the next lesson that you learn. He learns that God is your protector. What do you mean that God is your protector? Look at verse 4. It's not long. We can read it. It simply says this. Even though, I want you to catch that because it just says, even though. Even though I walk through, even though I walk through, it's not saying I maybe walk through, but he says, even though. So, yes, I know God is my provider, and even though I'm going through drama right now in my house, even though I'm going through heartache on my job, even though my family is in turmoil, even though is what the text says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of a death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and staff, they comfort me. I, I don't know 
if you know what it means for God to be your protector. You may not understand. You may have not had people plot against you. You may have never had somebody try to bring you down. And, and then you turn around and the same people that try to bring you down, the trap that they tried to set for you, they have fallen into themselves. What does that mean? God has protected you when you couldn't even protect yourself. There's times I used to get upset by my son making me late for somewhere, and then I would get on the highway and see that an accident just happened two minutes before me that I barely missed. Had I not been late, God has been protecting me. Yeah, that's why the old saints used to say, I praise him for protecting me from seen and unseen dangers. That's why when they began to make road trips, they would pray before they went anywhere because they knew that there's nowhere that I can go that God can't cover me from. David says he's a good provider and he's a good protector. Last week we went and on and we understood that not only God want to provide for you, not only does he want to protect you, but God loves you enough. Your father, your heavenly father loves you enough that he wants to promote you. He wants to put you on front street. You don't believe me? Look at the text. Verse 5, it simply says yeah, this, you prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with all my cup overflows. God does not just want you to be average or mediocre. God wants you to be the best you you could possibly ever be. You don't believe me? David says you prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You didn't prepare a table for my enemies to laugh at me. You prepared a table for me to enjoy in the presence of my enemies. In other words, you have made my enemies my footstools. You have put them in a position where they can see the favor of God resting and ruling in my life. And the problem I talked about this last week, we can't enjoy the feast because we so ready wanting to fight. We can't sit down at the table and eat what God has for us because we're so busy looking at the people at the other end wanting to argue and bicker with them. When God says, listen, why are you even fooling with them? I made this for you. This has nothing to do with him. He says, I prepared a table. I anointed your head. I thought about that when David got anointed because nobody else and his family got the anointing, but David got the anointing. And from that point on, his families and friends didn't understand him. They talked about him. They put him down. Can I tell you something? Don't be mad because God wants to use you. Don't be mad because God is calling you out of the darkness and God wants to do something in your life. There will be haters in your life as long as you have the help of God. David knows that he's anointed. And his anointing leads to an appointing, and this appointing is saying, listen, I'm in a position now that my cup overflows. I'm not living paycheck to paycheck no more. I ain't worried about who want me and who don't want me no more. I'm at peace with who I am, and God is doing so many things in my life that I know that I'm good and I'm taking care of. And he's doing so much for me that I don't mind sharing it with everybody else. It can overflow from me. It can ooze from me. My blessings should be contagious. David shows us that God is a provider, God is a protector, and God wants to promote you. But what I come to understand today, and we'll leave with this, is not only God is a provider, not only is he a 
protector. Not only is he one who wants to promote you, but as we look at verse 6, I want you to understand that my father is a producer. He has the ability to produce that which nobody else can. And this is what David says in the text. And, and this is why I said David has to get to a point of maturity because when we see him in the very first three verses, we see him talking about God as a provider. And that's obviously because David was in a position of his life where he didn't have nothing and he needed God to provide. And then when David got to a point where he didn't need God to provide as much because God had blessed him with more than enough, then he needed God to be protector. Why did he need God to be a protector? Because the haters were coming after him and the people wanted to hold him down. And then it got to a point in his life where where he was anointed to be king and he needed God to be a promoter. God, I can't do this by myself. I need you to put me in the position that everybody else is telling me I'm not fit for. I need you to elevate me to where you want me to be. And then we see David because now that he's functioning and he's serving, now he needs God to produce some things for him that he's never produced for himself. I don't know this for a fact, but if I had to look at this text, I would say David wrote this sometime right after the fact that he had messed up and took Bathsheba as his woman. You know Bathsheba, the one that was already married to Uriah, and Uriah was on the battlefield, and David decided he wanted to creep and sleep. Y'all thought this is just some new housewives of Atlanta stuff. No, this has been in the Bible. This has been going on. And so David decides he's going to take this woman as his woman. He don't care who she with. And then he says, you know what, man, you got pregnant? Okay, cool. Don't worry about it. I'm going to try to trick your baby daddy and make, it, make him think it's his baby. And when he does not fall for it, he says, forget it. Man, I'm going to cover it up. Put me on the first 48. I'm going to lay him down. He puts him on the front line and he dies and he thinks he's gotten away with it up until now but David David gets caught by God because you can hide everything from everybody but there's nothing you can hide from God and for the first time in David's life God is displeased with David's behavior God is displeased with David's behavior. David tries to cover it up by marrying Uriah. God lets David know what he's done through a prophet. David ends up losing the child that Uriah, that Uriah's wife Bathsheba was giving birth to. So they lose that child, but later on to be blessed with another child up under the blessing of God. But catch this, David had to go through something in that moment. And I want to talk to you about what David's life possibly could have looked like after that moment and why David would write in Psalms 23, watch with me, verse 6. You can put it on the screen if you got it. And it simply says this, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. If you have a King James, it may say this, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to talk to you a minute about my God, my Father, being a producer. Barry Brunshaw, y'all come here real quick, quick. Biggest men in the church. They look good on camera. <laughs> Biggest men look good on camera. And I'm not going to hold you long today. There's not a lot for me to talk about. Y'all come on up. Come on up. Uh, I want to make sure that you understand. I want you to have a picture of what's happening 
in David's life. David has looked at God as a provider. David has looked at God as a protector. David has looked at God as a promoter. David walks with God. We know that without a shadow of a doubt. But what David is saying in this text is not only is David walking with God, but there's two additional angels in David's life that is walking with him while he's walking with God. Uh, David says, according to the text, that as I'm walking with God, as God is providing for me, as God is protecting me, as God is promoting me, he says behind him, he got these two big fellas, one name, goodness, and one name, mercy. And so David essentially says, y'all walk with me. Wherever I go, they go too. I mean, it literally, if I wanted to step down, I have to stay. Wherever I go, goodness and mercy is following me. I'm going to preach this. Y'all ain't going back to y'all. See, y'all going to walk with me on this. The reason I want to make sure that y'all understand this is that so often we're okay as long as we're following God. But what happens when we turn around? See, if you're really doing it God's way, when I turn around, I... I realize I can't go back. Goodness and mercy is following me. So in other words, I ain't want no problems with them. So I just got to keep on going. Goodness and mercy is following me. And then this is what I really want to show y'all. Y'all don't think that's the crazy because we're going to go eat early today. This is simply what David is saying in the text. As I'm following God, God is working on me. The first person that David needs to acknowledge in his life is goodness. The reason why he needs to acknowledge goodness, because goodness has the ability to provide just what I need when I need it. David says there's nothing I can do to earn what God wants to give me, but goodness follows me. In other words, when I step and I may not have did exactly what God wants, goodness says, I got you. Don't worry. I'm going to make sure you have everything that you need. Can I help y'all stay right there? Can I help y'all just for one moment? Simply God is saying this. You're not perfect, but guess this. I got you covered. I have you covered. I will produce for you in the midst of your fall. Where you fall short, I have somebody to walk with you. I'm not only leaving you by yourself. The best thing that God can do for me besides leave me is cover my back. Why? Because my back is what's vulnerable. That's where the enemy wants to attack me the most. And so God says, I'm going to give you goodness. I'm going to give you goodness. Because as long as you're following me, the problem is why you're following me, because this is where we go to the even though. This is the even though in the text. Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the reason I can fear no evil is because I know goodness is with me. Goodness is going to take care of me. But can I help you understand that sometimes... Goodness ain't what I need. Fall to the back, goodness. Goodness ain't what I need. The reality is that goodness ain't what I need because sometimes God asks me to go left and I go right. And this is where mercy, come on, mercy, you got to catch me, mercy. Stop me. Stop me. Mercy stops me and tells me simply this, you're going the wrong way. Stop. Stop. Because some of us don't realize it, but we've made so many mistakes in our lives and it ain't that you're lucky. It's mercy that says, I'm going to withhold from you that which you deserve. I'm going to bail you out of situations you don't need to be bailed in. 
you didn't get away by this on your own accord, but it was mercy that held you. David is, David is all up in the text. David says, I know I'm going to be a provider, a protector, a promoter, but right now, I need you to know of nothing else. He's a producer. He will produce for you exactly what you need when you need it. Sometimes you need goodness, and sometimes you need mercy. But the reality is that the only reason you get access to goodness and mercy is because of who you're following. See, the problem with so many of us is that we don't want to follow nobody. We think we're the leaders. We think we know what's best for our lives. We don't, we don't want to follow anybody, not even God. We don't feel like God deserves the right for us to follow him. And so that's why he says, I'm going to give you mercy because I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to pull a David and, and go holler at Bathsheba when you don't post to. And I ain't going to write you off. I'm going to put mercy in your life. And my prayer is that you get right before mercy have to get you right. My prayer is that you get to the point where, because mercy will humble you if you don't answer. Mercy will bring you to the knee. Because the catch is mercy is given a job assignment that all you need to do is keep them from hurting themselves. Y'all can sit down. I watched the movie yesterday. I watched the movie yesterday. I don't remember what the movie was called. Mother I Am. It was some robot movie. And what happens in this robot movie, what happens in this particular movie, is this robot was created by mankind. This robot was created by mankind to protect humanity from, from, living, from injuring themselves. And so the best thing that this robot decided to do in order for me to protect humanity, the best thing I got to do, I have to preserve some embryos of humanity, but then everything that's here, I got to wipe it out. I have to clean up. That's what mercy is. Mercy says, listen, if you're going to do harm to yourself, just let me help you and get this all out of the situation. He says, goodness and mercy follow me all the day of my life. I want to make sure that you leave understanding these three things and then we'll get up out of here. The first thing is I want you to see the confidence that is placed in David's life because he leads verse 6 off with this. Put it on the screen. He simply says this. He says, surely. Can you, can you feel that? He just... I don't care who he's talking to, surely. What you talking about? Surely my light bill going to be paid. <laughs> surely God going to come and make a way out of no way. I don't have it, surely. That leaves no doubt. David shows the first thing that you need to understand. If you're going to be a child of God, you have to establish some confidence in your father. This is what he does. He says, surely. And he understands that I don't have anything to worry about. It's amazing how one word can put your mindset in, in the right perspective of what God, I have nothing to be concerned about because surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Then he goes, he says, not only surely, but then he talks about my father, how God gives me goodness. And we just showed you an illustration of how goodness functions. And so what goodness is, if you don't know anything else, you have to have confidence in the goodness. And the goodness is the covering of God. You have to have confidence in God's covering. You have to have confidence in God covering you that no matter what valley you walk through, that God has you covered. This is the reason why many of us are failing to excel in our walk with Christ is because we are afraid of the dark. We're afraid of going in the valley of the shadow of death. 
We're afraid of going through life's turmoil. But the Bible has told us simply over and over, those who suffer with me shall reign with me. This is the word of God. So in other words, I'm going to have to go through something. Can I tell y'all something, believers? I need you to understand this. If you're thinking to yourself that you're never going to go through something, you need to find another faith. Because this one here has written it from the beginning of time. And it's so important that you understand this because even our own Savior went through suffering so that we can have salvation. What makes us think that we are exempt? He simply shows in the text that you have to have confidence in the covering. I think about Jesus when he was in the garden and he asked the disciples to walk over him, watch over him, while, and they kept going to sleep. He kept asking the Father, God, if there's another way, take this away from me. Give me another opportunity. Show me something different. And when God said nothing, when God changed nothing, he says, listen, Father, let your will be done. That's confidence in the covering. Some of you think that because you're doing it God's way and you're not getting the results that you're looking for right now that God is not with you. God is still yet covering you. The reality is that goodness is still with you. Mercy is still following you. And the truth is if you just wait a little while longer, if you can just wait a little while longer, God will give you everything that you need. But we get so impatient with God. We get so impatient with God. The thing is, God ain't going to fight you to be faithful. God ain't like some of these fools that we be in relationships with that want to kick and scream when you do wrong. No, 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 no. God say, you want to leave? Leave. I don't want you to leave, but if you want to go, go. I'll be here waiting until you get it right. I'll be waiting. And you better pray that mercy sticks around long enough so you can get it right. He says, surely he has confidence. He goes and talks about the goodness. He talks about God's covering. The last thing that he talks about is how mercy follows him, how mercy follows him. So we know we have, have to have confidence in the covering, but now we have to do, we have to have confidence in the covering that provides comfort during correction. That's what mercy is. Mercy is the correction that God provided through the confidence that you have. And can you love your father enough to embrace the fact that he corrects you. My son, I love my son Isaiah, but Isaiah can't handle correction. He does not like it. It frustrates him. He has to do his breathing exercise, whatever it is, because Isaiah has a mind. Come here, Isaiah. Come here. You're going to help me close this thing out today. Uh, Isaiah has a mind of a, a nine-year-old that thinks he's 90. Uh, he thinks he's been around long enough. I feel like getting my hoop on today with this one. Uh, he feels like he's been around long enough to tell me what it is that he should do, to tell me what it is that he should eat, to tell me what it is that he deserves $100 and, and he needs a phone. He, he thinks he knows what's best for him. And this is the reality is that oftentimes he bases the decision of what's, oh, this is good. He bases the decision of what's best for him, not from what his father has said, but from what he's seen other people have. That's the issue, that many of us in our relationship with God, we have a mind of a nine-year-old. We're steady trying to tell God what is right for us, but the reality is that I've been here a little bit longer. This is why the Bible says, honor your mother and father. 
this is why you have to understand this. I, even though I'm grown now, when my dad calls me and tells me something, he called me this week since I said, and told me, son, this, is, this offended me. I wasn't going to say nothing to you, but this offended me. You know, all I could say is, daddy, I'm sorry. The reason is because he's my father. Now, I could have been a fool and just went to him and said, I'm grown. I can do what I want to do. This is my house. But the reality is he's my father. If it was not for him, I would not have had half the things I have. And that's the same thing that we have to understand about God. You, God is the reason you got the breath in your lungs. God is the reason you got the job. God is the reason you have the ability to think and know how to do what it is you do. So who are you? Who are you to tell him how you should and shouldn't live your life? There ain't nothing. My mom called me today and told me, hey, I, my, my, granddaddy, my granddaddy, her father needs a, a refrigerator, and I wanted to kick and scream. I ain't no moving man. I ain't going to do it. But my mama said it, and her daddy needs it, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get there and get it done. I can't sit there and say, well, my cousins ain't doing nothing. Ain't nobody else showing up. She didn't call on them. She called on me. Why can't we answer the call of God when he calls? Why can't we be obedient? As many years that he's allowed goodness and mercy to follow us, how dare we fight? How dare we fuss? I ain't been, I ain't been right to this Christian thing nothing but nine years. That leaves 20-something other years I acted a plum fool and did what I wanted to do. Why can't I can't even catch up to the foolishness? Because I'm steady trying to do right now. And guess what? I still make mistakes. If that wasn't the case, he wouldn't have gave me mercy. He wouldn't have gave me mercy. David shows me something in this text. He shows me that as a Christian, as a believer, we have to mature. We have to mature. We have to mature from going from just expecting God to provide things for us like a genie in a bottle to looking for God to protect us from the things that we, we can't see or that we know that's out there now that we didn't know that was before. To look for God to, to promote us because it's not fair for us to promote ourselves but to also look for God to produce opportunities that covers us and corrects us. Why? Because he closes it with this. This is what he closes with. He says, and, this is a conjunction, which says, because goodness and mercy follow me. He says this, he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. He stamps it. He seals it. He says, because of everything that God has done for me, for everything that God is to me, for everything how God has provided for me, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I want to make sure you understand this as we leave today. The house of the Lord is not this building. This is a building. Before we was here, it was a hookah lounge. Before it was a hookah lounge, it was a laundromat. Before it was a laundromat, it was an empty field. God can change any one of these to anything that he needs to be. But when God says that you need to dwell in the house of the Lord, it is to be in the presence of God. And the reality is that in every aspect of your life, you should want to be engulfed.
in the presence of God, in your relationship, on your job. If you really wanted to work, you should try to cover it with God. I don't like spaghetti. I hate it. I don't know if it's because I ate it a lot growing up as a kid or what. But the only way, only way spaghetti can taste good to me is I put a little ranch in it. Some of y'all might not like it, but I put a little ranch in it because ranch makes everything better. It just makes everything better. And so I cover it with ranch. And what ranch can't fix, guess what? Hot sauce can. I cover it. So nine times out of ten in my house, I need hot sauce or I need ranch. Because just in case something ain't right, let me hook it up. I need to cover it. Because it makes everything better. You can do what you want to do without God. But if you take the time and you cover everything with God, it makes everything better. Your relationship, your finances, your mindset, everything is better if you cover it with God. Let me pray for you. Father God, What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been an able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion, you're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.